the field of human conflict, but so much owed by so many to so few. This is the first program that we are recording this semester after the summer break. I hope everybody that's listening had great vacations. If they were working or if you were uh, on trips, I hope it was exciting. I am here in the studio with Shastin Sigvarsson. Hello, Shastin. How are you doing? Hello. I'm fine. And I myself, I'm Laura de Alba, and uh, we're really uh, excited about today's topic, actually, because we're going to be talking about gender equality and local democracy in South Asia and Latin America. Uh, Sherston has studied a lot about the topic as well, and in South Asia, and I myself am more... Uh, let's say I'm not an expert, but I'm knowledgeable as well in these topics. I'm doing my internship in uh, the ICLD right now, International Center for Local Democracy. So, yeah, we're very excited to be having this talk. And uh, we also wanted to say a couple of things about what we're going to do at Radio UF this semester. Uh, today, uh, we're going to have an open workshop in collaboration with Utrik. Uh, on the topic of globalization. So if you haven't and you have an idea that you would like to express, please send it to us. On the 9th of October, we're going to have uh, an open meeting where we're going to develop your idea and help you plan a program from A to Z. You don't have to have any experience. So just join us and see how it is. No commitment. Um, but we would, we would love to see you there. And uh, also, without further ado, I'm going to introduce uh, the the plan and the schedule for today. We're going to first talk about the bottom-to-top approach in uh, gender equality guidelines, uh, meaning that, I don't know, the, the international organizations such as the UN or the international human rights mechanisms, and then we're going to see it from a more local democracy focus, uh, meaning the bottom-to-top approach, and then we're going to dive deeper in the subject with some examples of how different countries have been using local democracy to involve women in change processes. So it's... I think it's interesting. And of course, if you want to uh, say something about this or if you want us to talk about a specific subject, reach out to us on social media, on Instagram, we're at Radio UF uh, or our email address is radio at UF And right now we're going to go to a break. You're going to listen to Heavy California by Jungle. <laughs> Yeah. 
You're listening to Radio UF with me, Kerstin and Laura at Student Radio 98.9. And right now we will present the top to bottom approach and the international aspect of gender equality. Uh, so, Laura, can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, exactly. So, as we know, uh, gender equality has been included in the um, UN uh, Sustainable Development Goals for 2030. It's uh, goal number five, and uh, more and more governments are making efforts to include it in their legislation. Uh, but also, uh, gender equality is protected by international conventions, such as the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Um, and the European Convention of Human Rights. Uh, the importance with the European Convention is that it is actually a binding mechanism that could have economic sanctions or uh, political sanctions uh, for the state that is not respecting these rights. Um, even though it's complicated mechanisms, it's hard to, you know, have the same uh, standards in all the member countries or internationally even more. So it's it's an approach that is good because it sets a, a certain um, goal, but it's still very abstract. Um, and one of the organizations that is working on the field with this is UN Women. Um, what I think that you know more about what UN Women is doing in terms of gender equality, isn't it, Justin? Yeah, so UN Women is a part of the uh, United Nations that works globally uh, with supporting UN member states uh, by offering support to member states. Uh, and they are giving uh, financial and technical support, but also establishing partnerships uh, within the civil society. So UN Women uh, give support to states, but also international uh, no, intergovernmental bodies by helping them formulating policies, as you were talking about, global standards and also norms. And they have four areas of focus. It's uh, political equality, economic equality, women's right to uh, live free from violence, uh, women in peace building and humanitarian action. So today's episode, as we already told you, will focus on women and local democracy and you and women support women's political leadership and political participation as a part of their main focus points. Uh, so they do this by training the women political candidates, building their capacities and pressuring political parties, etc. And according to the UN Women, we have a long way to go before ensuring political equality between women and men. Uh, and worldwide, only 26.5% of women are uh, par par parliamentarians in single or lower houses. In Latin America, that number is 36%. And in South Asia, it's only 19% of the parliamentarian members that are women. Uh, and in addition to this, out of the world's illiterate uh, people, women make up more than two thirds. 60% of the world's chronically hungry people are women or girls and nearly 2.4 billion women don't have the same economic rights uh, compared to men. So research is showing that women in leading uh, political posi positions also tend to prioritize gender equality in lawmaking and therefore it is important to include the women in the lawmaking and in the political decisions uh, and we will talk more about that after the song. And the next song is Out of Mind by Tovelu. And you're listening to Radio UF with me, Shastin and Laura. Love 
Welcome back to the studio. That was Out of Mind by Tuvalu. Uh, you're listening to Radio UF. We were talking earlier in the program about the international guidelines for gender equality as well as the work of international uh, organizations like UN Women. Um, but now I would like to talk about the other way of working for gender equality, which is local democracy. And why is local democracy sometimes more effective than international guidelines? Not that it's less necessary or more necessary, but I think that every single area and region is different and nobody knows the best what they need than the people living in these communities. Um, but however, the reality in terms of education and... Uh, participation in civil society and the exercise and knowledge of civil rights is quite limited. Um, uh, around 90% of the population is not up to date in budgetary or local politic decisions and 95% of people doesn't know how to access this information. So we see a very big gap between the possibilities of change in terms of local democracy and uh, how it's actually being utilized. So Laura, I have a question. How's the like what are the strategies used to involve people in politics? So I would say that what's most important here uh, according to the different NGOs that are working in the field with local democracy and trying to involve women in local policies is the transparency, the transparency because uh, in most development countries Corruption is a big, big challenge in terms of how um, changes, like the lack of change. Uh, and another one is the vulgarization of information, meaning that local municipalities should perhaps do better, like a more accessible way of presenting charts uh, so that the information is easier to understand and uh, I would say those are the two main approaches. And it's also what is great with local democracy. It's a more direct form of democracy because the citizens are the ones uh, directly expressing their needs. You don't need to go through like the parliamentarians and the local deputies and then maybe it will reach the president and then it becomes like a too wide approach. Uh, of course, it works different with le le different legal systems, but as we're going to see in the examples that we're going to discuss, uh, it's also... It's also a way to there. There's different ways to adapt it and pros and cons according to the, to the, yeah, to what we have to work with. And I think then another advantage as well is that when you make something, you have ownership about it. And uh, I think a social experiment uh, that they did with furniture, IKEA furniture, nonetheless, is very important to illustrate this. Um, they put a group of people uh, to assemble IKEA furniture and uh, just then another group of people, they just put them in the room with the same IKEA furniture and the one who had assembled it was more likely to pay more money for the um, same piece of furniture. So I think it applies the same with the policies that we make, uh, the things that we put work and effort and time uh, into. So yeah, that's the advantages of local democracy. And we are out of time in this segment, um, but we're going to talk about um, the specific ex examples when we're back from our break and we're going to listen to Love, I Know What I Want Is For Real by Q. Stick with us, you're listening to Radio UF. 
So welcome back to uh, Radio UF and you are listening to me, Kerstin and Lara at Studentradio 98.8. Uh, we have been talking about gender equality and local democracy uh, and different approaches to addressing the issue. Uh, so we present, uh, we have presented one top to bottom approach and one bottom to top approach. Uh, and Laura, can you uh, give me any ideas of the issues with and the benefits of the different models? What well, comes to my mind first when we are talking about international directives, it's that it's very philosophical. You know, it's especially in Western tradition, it's very individualistic. So the rights of the individual, uh, whereas, for example, in systems like the African um, uh, organisms that protect human rights, they are talking more about community rights. So it's like different ways of seeing it. And the ones that are predominant right now are the Western ones, which are very abstract as well. And when people come from very historical backgrounds uh, and different like, yeah, contexts, they're going to be interpreted differently. And it doesn't mean that it's worse or better. It's just that it's hard to guarantee a standard and it's hard to actually have concrete reach. You know, I think it's still necessary. It's still necessary to keep up the conversation going at a state level and an international level and organizations like the UN are great at doing this but I think that it needs to be complemented with the bottom to top approach where it's like we need the changes now you know um, and of course it can help if there's this like international human right that is recognized at everybody in order to implement the policies justify getting budget it is easier but the actual work in place needs to be done from another perspective that it's just impossible for international organizations to have because it would be like extending beyond like the, no one has enough resources for this. No. And we also have the question of uh, sovereignty, like the state sovereignty and uh, the international or organizations stepping in and perhaps like, yeah, questioning the state sovereignty, basically. Uh, and also the question of uh, uh, tracking aid, like we know in Sweden right now, we have a big opinion wanting to do more, uh, like wanting to track the aid to see exactly where it goes. And there's, there are some issues with that. There are like the programs become more um, target focused and they want to like sometimes maybe the measurable um it's not that measurable. Exactly. And then it also adds a step that is really time consuming in terms of like the bureaucracy that goes into like tracking absolutely where everything goes, you know, it's yeah. uh, and it makes it longer for people who need the help to get it. Um, so that's also like, uh, you know, it's necessary because, of course, the stakeholders involved uh, want to know, like, OK, is this is this money that I'm giving? gonna actually do a difference yes make a difference but um it's it comes with its inconveniences as well um but i guess that that's also an advantage in a way like since there are more stakeholders then you have more resources uh so it's yeah. a give and take and i know that people working in this organization try to like go around it and like try to do their best possible but it's a it's a fact that the system works that way yeah uh, so we're running out of time on this segment and right now we're gonna uh, go over to a song 
which is Sjunga by Monica Mack. And after that, we will talk more about uh, the examples from uh, the real world. So that was Sjunga by Monica Mack. And right now uh, we will talk a bit more about the uh, labor of civil society in Guatemala. Thank you, Justin. And yes, for a bit of context, um, Guatemala is a country in Latin America who has border with El Salvador, Honduras, Mexico, and uh, who has a history, uh, has had a quite like agitated history in the past century. The In the 90s, there was um, genocide against indigenous people that has shaped pretty much how the institutions work. Uh, I don't know if, if you have heard perhaps of Rigoberta Menchu, but she is an indigenous activist who has actually won the Nobel Prize piece for speaking up and writing and telling the world about what happened during the 90s in Guatemala. And um, if we're talking more about the political uh, context, uh, it is a federal state, meaning that every state and every region sort of decides what they, their law looks like to a certain degree. And uh, this is this sometimes is better for local democracy because you have more like maneuver space in order to implement legislation. It's also since 2016 mandatory for local municipalities to have an institution that uh, oversees gender equality. Uh, they're called Directorio Municipal de Mujeres or Women Municipal uh, Directory. Um, so, but there's still a long way to go. Um, there are 340 municipalities in Guatemala, and in this last election, only nine of them were women. This means that it's around 3% or not even 3% of women involved in local politics. And this maybe has to do with culture and the legacy of Judeo-Christian uh, ideals of the place of women in the private sphere while men were given access to the public sphere. So the labor of civil society is key in this aspect. We have a lot of NGOs in all of the 22 districts in Guatemala that are working actively with educating women in their rights. Uh, there's, first of all, a campaign of alphabetization and ma making people complete their secondary studies, uh, fight also against violence against women. Uh, and then uh, they use tools such as occupational therapy, for example, there's going to be a cooking workshop, but we don't really want you to learn how to cook. We just want to give you a space where you can speak with other women, uh, where you can learn about something different than the environment you grew up in, uh, free from the patriarchal authority or the, you know, the husband's not there, the kids are not there. So it's it's been successful to a degree. Uh, there's Even if women are not elected, there has been an increase in women applying to um, being candidates for local elections. Um, so I think it's interesting to keep in touch with, to follow what Guatemala does in terms of involving women in local democracy, but I don't think this would have been possible without the help of civil society, given that, uh, you know, the staff at municipalities is switched around every four years completely, like everybody there moves out. So um, it's also key in keeping consistency. Um, but 
uh, there's so much we could say, but we're running out of time again. You're going to listen to Pengar by Machinen. You're listening to Radio F, via Stean Radio Nitio Tokemenio. I'm Laura de Alba, and I'm here with Justin Sigberson. You're listening to Studentradion 98.9 with me, Kerstin, and Laura. Uh, and right now I'm going to talk a bit about the quota system and female, female political participation in the Panchayat system in India. So the Panchayat Raj is a political system for local governance in India. And it was actually Mahatma Gandhi who took the initiative for making the Panchayat Raj Uh, the foundation of local democracy by making it the local government in the constitution. Uh, So it's a three-tiered system. Uh, The village council is one of them, and it has been in place since the 1950s. But evidence of self-governing villages uh, goes way back and has been found in uh, Rigveda. Uh, So since the 1990s, uh, at least one-third of the seats are reserved for women, Uh, although the quota is bigger in some parts of India. And there has also been, uh, or there are also seats reserved for scheduled castes and tribes and uh, so on. Uh, And there has been a proposal to increase the reservation for women all over India, but so far it's only been raised and increased in some states of India, such as Bihar, Sikkim and Madhya Pradesh. Uh, So the quota for the village council has been in place since the early 1990s and has helped to change the general attitudes. Yeah, that's uh, super interesting. And I'm wondering, Shirsin, have there been any visible changes or improvement in terms of gender equality after the implementation of this quota system? Uh, so, yeah, it, it has increased the female partic- participation, but it's, it has also like uh, resulted in an increased responsiveness with female issues. Uh, so we have like research are showing that when women are involved in the political processes uh, in the panchayat system, there is a greater like... Um, possibility that they will do investments in, for instance, drinking water, repairs of health centers and repairs of, of schools and so on. So we are seeing concrete uh, like political consequences of the involvement of women. Uh, but with this said, this is not a system that is working like fault free. There are some issues with it. Uh, and, and like according to research, Some village councils, uh, on some village councils, it seems that it is very, like, not very, but common for the women to take help from their husbands. Uh, And there has also been some reports from Madhya Pradesh, uh, for an example, of husbands and other male members of the families that have been taking on the, like, they've been taking the places of the appointed women. And this, of course, raises the questions about how effective the quotas really are in the Panchayat Raj uh, and uh, also how involvement should be measured. If it should be measured in like political positions or if it should be measured in actual political change. Uh, And to conclude, uh, the quotas uh, in the Panchayat Raj seems to be giving some positive changes in the 
in like more consciousness and more responsiveness for the women's issues, but also uh, it keep facing some difficulties. And you are listening to me, Kerstin and Laura at Radio UF at Studentradion 98.9. And after the next song, we will continue to speak about traditional gender roles in Colombia. And the next song is Borderline by Josef. Welcome back to the studio. You're listening to Radio UF in our episode on gender equality and local democracy in Latin America and South Asia. Um, Shastin just talked about the Panchayat system in India and how quotas have been useful for increasing gender equality since um, many, many years. Um, and now I would like to speak about how it is in Colombia uh, with the work that the local governments are doing to change and bridge the gap between the traditional gender roles and the effect it has on local democracy. The Colombian local governments have been really good at identifying the importance of unpaid care work and how much it takes from women's time and how much it prevents them from getting involved in local democracies among uh, among other things but also like any activity that involves self-care or uh, you know uh, entertainment or hobbies uh, because it's not even recognized in many cases all the all the like charge that it is to take care of a home and sometimes it's also taking care of the elderly taking care of the children taking care of their husbands and also themselves taking out some paid work of some sort in domestic Um, like going and cleaning someone else's house is a very common structure in Latin America that is informal work uh, that is not covered by social security and that is not declared to the government. So like they are like there's a loss of benefits when it comes to healthcare coverage and things like this. Um, so uh, the what Guatemala uh, what sorry what Colombia has done in this regard uh, in Bogota is the implementation of something called uh, manzanas del cuidado or care blocks and what it did is that the government just took all the resources that were already in place because the budget was very limited but there were like a lot of NGOs that already had like um, yoga or um, education and like helping women to Finish high school and stuff like this that were like isolated so what you needed to do was to like register for every single activity like this the information wasn't very accessible so what the government did is just that like they made it like into one system so you can access this very easily and it's all between uh, one radar of uh, like a radar of 20 minute walk from your uh, kids school or from your home Uh, so it made it easy for women to just like access it on their way to do other things, uh, other activities. And this has actually increased the amount of women finishing elementary school, finishing uh, junior high school and um, high school. So uh, they are able to uh, reach a certain degree of economic independence, economic empowerment. But something really important as well is that they are also addressing the husbands or the men they are offering workshops on how to clean how to cook how to braid your daughter's hair like depending on the interests of usually unemployed men and also in prisons there have been some things but it's already been like 
work with the concept that care work is not something innate, it's not something inherent that women just do better, but it's something that one learns. So I think this is very interesting. The program is very new. It has given um, great results and uh, it's starting to replicate in other areas of Colombia. Um, you are listening to Radio UF via Student Radio 98.9. My name is Laura de Alba and we're going to listen to Wake Me Up by Alice Bowman. So that was Wake Me Up by Alice Bowman and you are listening to Radio UF with me, Shastin, and Laura at Student Radio 98.9. And we have been talking about gender equality and local democracy in Latin America and South Asia. Uh, and we are reaching our end of the program. Uh, so we have been talking about gender roles in Colombia and how that affects women uh, in their everyday life, but also how it empowers them um, to finish their education. We have been talking about quotas in the Panchayati Raj, Uh, and we've been talking about the impact of social society in Guatemala. Uh, so, Laura, can you conclude what we talked about in this episode? Of course, for me, the most important lesson from th after talking about this is that we need both the top-to-bottom approach from international directives and the bottom-to-top approach from local democracy in order to like combine and make it more effective and actually improve Uh, people's lives and people's opportunities, uh, especially when we're talking about more than half the population of the planet. Uh, I am glad to see that there's some action being taken, some success stories from all over the world. Um, we just took up three small examples, but I think there's also lots to be said about other countries. And uh, well, who knows, perhaps we're going to do another program about it in the future. Um, but... Yeah, with that, we would like to finish this program again, the first one, the semester, to talk to you about what Radio UF does. Uh, we have really exciting plans for the semester. We are working on a collaboration with Utrik, the magazine by UF, and uh, we're going to collaborate on the topic of globalization. So if you're submitting an article to the magazine, you're very welcome to come and speak about it. Or if you want to explore another angle of your idea, also very welcome to come. Don't forget to join us on the open workshop we're having from 6 to 8 tonight. Um, and with that, it was a pleasure to talk to you. And I think Shastin shares my feeling. Yeah, I really do. And also, I don't want you to miss the open meeting slash workshop that we are having on the 9th uh, of October uh, at 18.30 here uh, in uh, Economicum. Uh, so it has been very interesting to hear about uh, all the examples from Latin America on my side and also to talk a bit about uh, India. Uh, and uh, yeah, stay tuned, follow us on social media. And a reminder, we are at uh, UF Radio on Instagram and radio at ufupsala.com if you want to send us an email. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. Bye.